On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about the plan of salvation and some arguments that folks make against what we believe the Bible teaches. We think the plan of salvation is pretty straightforwardly taught in in the New Testament, but at every step in the way, people have come up with arguments against what I think the Bible plainly teaches. So we're going to work through the plan of salvation and deal with some of the objections that people make about every single aspect of what God wants us to do to be saved. All right, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December 13th, 2018. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me on the program tonight. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you tonight. Kyle's behind the controls tonight. Kyle, hello. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here. And we're glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight. Uh, we would especially ask you to comment tonight in the chat room or over email questions at collegeview.com or best way to talk on, to, the, to us tonight is on the phone line. It's toll-free, 877-381-4567. We want to hear from you on the program tonight. Before we get started, we need to get some Bible reading calendars yep. in the mail to you. We've got Bible reading calendars available for 2019. That's coming up real soon. We're you need to get one. Two weeks, a little over two weeks away from the start of the new year, and so we we need to get you a, a Bible reading calendar so you can do that in 2019. It, it it's a great resolution to make up your mind. So I want to read through the Bible this year and. Uh, uh, you will definitely benefit by it. We'll make it free to you. Just let us know your snail mail address, and we'll put one in the mail to you. Uh, we'll also send you a bumper sticker if you if you want one. Uh, later, uh, at the first of the year, we'll, we'll have that up on our website so that you can access it digitally if you happen to be away from home or don't have your physical calendar in your hand. But uh, it's great to have. I love I love to mark them off uh, day by day as you read the passages for every day. And so uh, let us know. We'll get you one in the mail. And that free bumper sticker is a, is a included. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an extra limited bonus, time offer bonus offer. All right, uh, and maybe if you just want a bumper sticker, don't want the calendar, we'll just send your snail mail address for that as well. Got a couple cars. Got some friends who would use one as well. Tell us how many you need, and we can get them in the mail to you. We look forward to hearing from you. Send us your snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com. All right. Uh, tonight we want to talk about uh, some arguments folks make about something that we think is very simple. Yeah. We think the plan of salvation as set forth in the New Testament is not difficult to understand. Actually, uh, I think I've read before that the whole Bible is written on about a fifth grade reading level. It's not. It's not a... A horribly complicated book to read. There, there are admittedly some difficult parts of the Bible, harder to understand than others. Uh, Peter mentioned that some of the things that Paul wrote are hard to understand. We, uh, so we're not saying the Bible is just a, a, a easy everywhere. But in regards to the very essential things that one must know in order to be saved from sin, uh, 
we don't, the, the scriptures are just not difficult to understand in regard to those things. Uh, let's let's just go through the plan of salvation very simply. Uh, the, the the first thing is that you must hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, verse 17. Based upon what you've heard, you must believe. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, Hebrews 11, verse 6. You must repent. Uh, Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3. You must confess your faith in Jesus. With the heart man believeth unto salvation with the heart, with the heart man believeth unto salvation, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Uh, uh, I may have, I don't think I said that right. You did. Okay. Uh, Romans 10, verse 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then be baptized for the remission of sins. Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then be faithful throughout your life. Be thou faithful unto death. I'll give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2, verse 10. So, when we put all the information together, uh, that, that just works out to be a very simple to understand plan that God has for us uh, in regards to what we must do in order to be saved. And we, and really, when you stop to think about it, that's the most important question yes. in all the world of any time in the history of the world. The most important question is, what must I do to be saved? And the, and the scriptures answers that. It answers it in a way that everybody can understand it. It's not difficult. But what has happened, of course, that this plan of salvation has been out there for approximately 2,000 years. And through the course of those many years, lots of false doctrines have originated. And actually, people have found fault with and tried to modify or change almost, well, really, literally every step in that plan. So what we thought we would do in our study tonight is uh, we've already stated the plan but just try to deal with some of the objections that people have about various aspects of the plan. So the very first one is that people have to hear. They have to be taught. They have to be informed. The verse that we referenced just a minute ago, Hebrews, or excuse me, Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so the faith that you need in order to be saved is an informed faith based upon a reception of the uh, Word of God. Yes. Uh, now, I was thinking that a very real way that people change that is that they also many people argue that they believe because they had some sort of a supernatural experience. They had an experience, and based upon their experience, uh, they they know what they know uh i i had a lady one time i was studying in a group with this lady and and she uh oh she was very much about how god had spoken to her directly and uh, and uh experiences that she'd had and she was very very much into those sort of feelings and i said well Let's just let's just go over here and look. And I said, let's look over here and look. And I cited a reference in the book of Ephesians. And she said, Ephesians, is that in the New Testament or the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. So she didn't have any working knowledge of the Bible at all. But she she's talking about her faith uh, that she you know that, that had come from her experiences. Faith, the, the faith that saves does not come from an experience. It comes by being informed. You can think about some actual cases in the New Testament. 
verify verifiable miracles had happened, and yet people still had to hear. Right. Uh, Cornelius, an angel, appeared to Cornelius. Yep. He had to send for Peter so that he could be instructed. Yes. Uh, and, and so forth. So uh, people want to substitute their hey. personal experiences instead of the information that comes from the Word of God, and that doesn't work. Yeah, you even think about it. Paul. He saw Jesus, talked to Jesus. He still had to hear what needed to be he needed to do by yeah. uh, Ananias. Yeah. Uh, over and over again, you see that folks have to hear the word in order to believe. That well, that that example of Cornelius, though, it just it's, it just sort of stands out because in in Acts chapter eleven, uh, when Peter was retelling the Cornelius episode, uh, uh, it says he saw an angel in his house. This is Acts eleven verse thirteen. He saw an angel in his house, which stood and said to him, "Send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter." Who shall tell thee words whereby thee or thou and all thy house shall be saved? Cornelius had to hear the words. He, he, an angel was speaking to him, but that wasn't how he came to, to know what he needed. He had to hear. He had to be taught. He had to be informed. All right. 877-381-4567. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia tonight uh, said, the, uh, Those who are consistent five-point Calvinists deny that hearing the truth of God is essential to salvation. In spite of their contention, they will attempt to argue their case with those who are willing to discuss the issue with them. If hearing the truth is not essential, why do we need to read the book of Acts? All the, uh, Why do we read in the book of Acts all of the accounts of those who converted to Christ hearing the truth in all of those situations? And so Kent says the Calvinists might argue against the idea of the necessity to hear. Because they think that some people are chosen for salvation. And they'll be saved one way or the other. They're going to be saved no matter what. So there would be an argument against the necessity of being taught. Yeah. All right. Jim in Kentucky tonight, appreciate Jim for his comments, said some would argue against the whole concept of God's plan of salvation when they seek to save those who have never heard the gospel. Now, that's interesting. He says some people are seeking to save those who've never heard the gospel. Whether it is the old, what about those people in deepest, darkest Africa? Or what about those who never had the chance to hear the gospel argument? Such ones believe that God is unfair when he punishes those who have never obeyed, seeing they, uh, seeing that they never heard the gospel. In this regard, then, such ones are arguing against the need to hear the gospel. And logically, they would argue against needing to believe, confess, etc., so Jim says when people make those old, those arguments, what they're basically saying is, well, God might save those people without hearing. Yeah, the what about the guy who never had a chance to hear? Well, uh, I I always think that's on us. I mean, our job is to to get the word out there, and so uh, uh, to the sense to the to the reality that there are people in the world who are not hearing the gospel, uh, it just tells us we need to work harder at getting the gospel out. But if you can be saved without ever hearing the gospel, then this has been pointed out lots of times, but the very worst thing we could do to a person, if you can be saved without hearing the gospel, the very worst thing we could possibly do to a person is teach them the gospel. Because once we teach them the gospel, then they're obligated to do something with and that. And some we know won't. Yeah, and some won't, and so they're going to be condemned. Right. But if they were saved in their ignorance, if they were safe in their ignorance, we would be we would be way better off, those of us who have been exposed. Well, we've been exposed. We're stuck. But let's don't get anybody else in this dilemma. Let them be blissful in their ignorance because they're safe in their ignorance. 
Well, that's just not the case at all. That's completely contrary to everything. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I mean, that's what the Lord said to do, and, and, and that's what we need to be doing because that information is critical to salvation. All right. Appreciate Jim's point there. Jim goes on. He says, with regard to Calvinism, it would seem that none of this is necessary if one is chosen by God to be saved, one of the elect, and whether they hear, believe, confess, repent, etc., is no, of no value. If God determines you are to be saved, then your own actions are useless, for you cannot stand against God, and you cannot enhance his power by your consent. It is all on God, and you have nothing to do with it. Good point. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. In the chat room, uh, Stephen has suggested that there's going to be maybe a second chance, a second judgment after the thousand-year reign of Christ. Of course, uh, we don't believe the Bible teaches a, a the the premillennial concept of a reign of Christ literal. for a thousand the literal yeah. reign of Christ on earth for a thousand years there's not going to be a second judgment I disagree with you wholeheartedly there on that Stephen but we're not talking about premillennialism tonight uh, and so we'll we'll just have to let that ride for the time being maybe we'll talk about that subject at some point in the future hey, we're not... we've talked about it in the past but maybe we can talk about it again in the near future and hey, we're going to stop talking about any subject right now and take a break and then when we get back there's a folks who can you believe it? Would say you don't have to believe in order to be saved? Folks arguing against that. We're going to take that uh, when we get back, and we'd love to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer, but we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Courage does not mean that you're never afraid. You're courageous when, even though afraid, you move ahead. If God loved you as much as you love him, where would you be? Rivers and men grow crooked by following the path of least resistance. Man, wish I'd said that. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. All right, back on the program tonight, and we're talking about arguments people make against uh, God's uh, instructions on what we need to do in order to be saved tonight. And the next one up is the uh, command that we've got to believe. Fairly straightforward in the Scriptures. Uh, you cited some already, but tell us that, that belief is necessary in order to be pleasing to God, but yet folks are arguing against that. Jesus said in John eight twenty four, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Yep. So faith in Christ is absolutely essential to salvation. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, yet some folks are saying, without faith, you can please him. Yeah, uh, if, and there'd be, there'd be several people who would take this view. Uh, the universalist teaches that you don't have to believe in Jesus. You really don't have to believe in anything. Mm-hmm. Probably these both these first two points, that you have to hear and believe, would be denied by the universalist who says everybody is going to be saved. Yeah. You don't have to hear. 
And you certainly don't have to believe because nobody's going to be lost anyway, according yeah. to the universalist. Yeah. And you don't have to believe in Christ. Yeah. And a lot of Christians are arguing that now. Yeah, now you hear Christians who are arguing that you can be saved. I mean, I, we had a statistic recently. Uh, a lot of professed Christians are saying you could be I mean, a, a fairly significant percentage. I wish I had that statistic with me right now, and I don't. A fairly significant percentage of those who profess to be Christians are saying that you could be saved as a Muslim. You could be saved as an unbelieving Jew. You could be saved as a Hindu. Well, I want to tell you, if you could be saved without Jesus, then what you're saying is Jesus died in vain. He didn't have to die. If you can be saved without him, without believing in him, then his his death on the cross was absolutely unnecessary. You, yeah. you're, you, I mean, it's it's... It's a, a a terrible affront to the sacrificial death of Jesus to say that you could be saved without that. Yeah. All right. Well, it, they're basically saying you could be saved without believing anything the Bible says when they argue that, uh, that you don't have to believe in Christ. Uh, so certainly it is amazing. Peter said in Acts 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name under heaven given among <laughs> men whereby we must be saved. Uh, in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There you go. Well, Kit says Calvinists deny that personal faith is essential to salvation. They contend that salvation is a matter of personal, unconditional election and predestination and misapply Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 and attempt uh, to argue their case. A careful study of this passage teaches conditional election and predestination of a class of individuals, such as not unconditional, neither is it personal. Faith or belief is not something that God does through one elected or predestined unconditionally. Faith is what is that which one chooses to do based upon proper evidence, Romans 10, verse 17. If Calvinism is true, then one dying without faith would be the fault of God, John 8, verse 24. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Kent. Jim says the majority of the religious world, which is spoken of as Christian, teaches that it is necessary to believe that Jesus is Christ. However, when it comes to dealing with those in the non-Christian realm, like Jews, Muslims, and so forth, they do not believe that. With re- so, in other words, that's what we were saying earlier. A, min- a number of people who call themselves Christians and who <clears throat> say it's really important to believe in Jesus would hold the door open for people who don't believe in there Jesus. There you go. Uh, uh, he says, with regard to Jehovah's Witnesses, they do not believe that Jesus is God in the flesh and thus reject him as the Father would have us to see him. Jesus was very clear on this. He, in John eight twenty four. I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. The emphasis in this passage, though often lost, is in the phrase, I am. Thank you, Jim. Okay, exactly right. All right. So, uh, uh, again, some people would, would warp this requirement of faith uh, and say, well, it's really not necessary. But then you could go to the other end of the spectrum and say that some people warp that notion of faith to say it's the only thing necessary. And there are a lot of religious groups who teach faith only. Yeah. That, okay, so you do have to believe, but in fact, that's all that's all you have to do, that you only have to believe, that you're saved by Faith only. And there are a number in the religious world oh, yeah. who hold to that view. And that's a mistake, a mistaken view about the belief requirement of salvation, that believing alone is enough is not true. We don't find any example of that anywhere in the scriptures. 
that all that God wanted people to do was believe and 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 uh, attest to some kind of faith, whatever you how you ever you wanted to find that in Him or in Christ. We don't find any example of that anywhere in the Scriptures where that's all that God wanted. Yeah. Nowhere. Uh, sometimes the word faith is used in a comprehensive sense. For instance, in Acts chapter 16 with the Philippian jailer, when he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16, verse 30. In verse 31, Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. But then the text goes on to describe that when they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, they meant that in the comprehensive sense, which included obedience they spake to him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straight ways. So uh, sometimes the word faith is used in a comp- faith or belief is used in a comprehensive sense, but the text will bear that out. Yeah, absolutely. James 1, verse 22, be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a, unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Clearly, James is telling us that if we just read the scriptures, understand what God wants us to do, and don't do it, then we're very foolish, and we'll be contempt. Um, exactly right. Um uh, I had a thought. It was just right on the tip of my tongue, and it just passed past just that fast. Verse 26 of James chapter 1 goes on and shows us one example of that. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So there's one example. I know what the Scriptures tell me to do about my speech, but I don't do it. And I might believe every bit of it. I believe that God wants me to not use that type of language, not speak about those type of subjects, but I don't do it. Am I okay? Just because I believe? No, I've got to obey it. Yeah. While you're there in James, you've got to look at James 2.24. You see then how that by works a man is justified, not not by faith only. Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So the faith that saves is a faith that leads to obedience. You know, if someone were to ask the question, are we saved by faith? The answer to that would be yes. Yes. Paul said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, he said, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified by faith. We're saved by faith. But it's a faith that prompts obedience. It's not just simple mental acknowledgement that there was a person named Jesus Christ. Uh, it is not faith alone. It's a faith that produces obedience. And not an obedience that earns or merits or deserves salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 address that subject. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by God's grace, but God's grace is conditional upon our submitting to his will uh we got an email from kiana who says most people will respond that all a person has to do is believe in their hearts that jesus is the son of god that baptism is not necessary they have the understanding that a person is saved prior to baptism and and she says i would say this is contrary to acts 238 that's right thank you for that tiana 
All right. Uh, if you have other comments you'd like to share tonight, we'd love to hear from you on email, questions at collegeview.com, in the chat room, or via the phone at 877-381-4567. Kyle, your perspective from that side of the room tonight. Well, which, talking about Jesus, I didn't have an opinion on this. Uh, anybody loves to talk about, for the most part, people will talk about God. Any day, all day long, they'll talk about God. What you bring up, the J word, you bring up Jesus, that's when things get a little tense for the most part of people. And, yeah. And just nobody wants to talk about what Jesus did for us, Jesus dying and what he says about things. So it's just, uh, I yeah. just, we just need to make sure we're putting our faith in, uh, make sure we put Jesus, mention, mention Jesus in our speaking. So it was, God is obviously all important, but. We bring up the J word, everything's a little tense. So, but. Well, he's controversial. Oh, yes. he, he, and uh, he was and controversial. controversial yeah, Matthew 10, verse 34, do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So now people might like a fabricated version of Jesus and his teaching where they've stripped it of all of the controversial things and the things that require someone to, to submit. Uh, but uh, the, the true Jesus is uh, very controversial. Uh, in the chat room, there's there's a discussion going on there. Uh, again, we're not able to moderate that fully, so be careful in the chat room. But uh, Jeff has brought there, there's an argument being made by Stephen in the chat room that there, there's going to be a second chance for some who did not know or believe in Jesus. And Jeff brought up in the chat room Second Thessalonians one verses seven through nine. To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Well, I think Jeff is right to bring that passage up. It seems clearly to say if you don't know God and don't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be punished. But Stephen says uh, that verse doesn't cover everyone. Well, how would we know that it doesn't cover everyone? It seems to be all inclusive. If you don't know, if you don't know God and don't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to be punished. I, I, I don't know how you could make exception to the plain statement there. In Romans chapter one, Paul uh, spoke of the pagan Gentile world, and he said they did not honor God, uh, and they, he said they are without excuse. The, the uh, uh, that he says in verse 19, that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has showed it to them. The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And so, uh, I would agree with Jeff. Heartily disagree with Stephen in regards to the fact that. There are some who don't hear and believe, and yet they're not going to be condemned for that. That's just wrong. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. If you'd like to get your comments in now, we're going to take a break, get this week's bullet point. When we get back, folks arguing that you don't need to confess your faith in Christ. What about that? We'll talk about that. And when we get back, stay tuned. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Do you wonder why things are done the way they are done? Do you have questions about the work, worship, or operation of the local congregation? Does it seem that there are things going on that you don't understand? 
Are there issues floating around that trouble you? Are there times when you don't really agree with the decisions that are being made? If so, join the club. We all face the kind of questions and concern that we've just described. The big question is not, will such issues arise? The question is, how will you deal with these things when they do happen? Let us offer some do's and don'ts for handling these potentially difficult situations. Don't get angry and upset before you've gathered all the facts. Don't gossip and backbite. This doesn't help, and it's a sin. Proverbs 6, verse 19. Don't complain if you don't intend to get busy correcting the problem. Typically, churches have way too many fault finders and not near enough problem solvers. Don't immediately assume the worst about your brethren. Too often we hear harsh judgmental words about the elders, the preacher, or other members before the facts have been sorted out. True love demands better than this. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Do ask for information. Very often any disagreement or controversy can quickly be cleared up this way. If there is a problem, do go directly to the source. Speak to the one or ones involved and work for a solution. Do pray for wisdom in dealing with the problem, asking for God's help to do and say the right things. James 1 verse 5. Do maintain sound doctrine. This is the highest priority. Galatians 1 verses 8 and 9. But maintaining peace must also be an important goal for every member. Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 3. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee, and we'd love to have you come and worship with us to find out more about us. Find out about our meeting times and location at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email with your snail mail address. That's all you got to do. And request one of our free Bible reading calendars for 2019. Get it early and you get a head start. And also you can get a free bumper sticker as well to help us get the word out there. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And we welcome your comments at any time. If you have questions or comments about something you've heard on a recent edition of the program, or if you'd like to suggest a topic or a question to be discussed on a future edition, questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about the plan of salvation tonight. We believe it's simple from the scriptures, and yet we're seeing a lot of confusion and a lot of folks uh, arguing against the simple plan of salvation, the simple instructions of God's word. The next one, that, uh, the next point that folks are arguing about is the idea that we've got to confess our belief in Christ. Yeah, uh Romans 10, verse 10. I, I still think I messed that up when I quoted that earlier. Romans 10, verse 10 says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so there's a confession of our faith in Jesus that's necessary. Uh, I know there's some quibble uh, about the Acts 8 uh, uh, text, or the, the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, when in the King James Version. The eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Verse 36. Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I know there's some manuscript or textual quibble about whether those verses are were in the original. Uh, we're not going to go there to make that argument tonight. But I, uh, that confession is very evident in the in the account of the Ethiopian eunuch. Certainly, uh, certainly it is. And uh, we have clear... Uh, we have other passages as well, if you want to take that away. You don't need to take that one away. But if you wanted to, we have other passages yeah. that show yeah. that confession is required. So, so how would people argue against that? What would be some of the exceptions that they would ex- 
that they would argue against the need to confess our faith in Jesus. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says, Calvinism denies that confession of one's faith is an order to salvation. They pervert Romans 10, 9, and 10. They falsely contend that the preposition unto, ice, in the Greek, is translated because of. Such is not the case at all. In the Greek text, the phrase because of is translated from dia, not ice. Furthermore, the context disproves such. If the Calvinist argument regarding Romans 10, 9 and 10 is correct, and ice means because of, one would believe that Christ had been raised from the dead because they were already saved. That would mean unbelievers and Christ rejectors could be saved and could be in a saved condition. So Kent says those who are Calvinists would argue against that because, well, if you're going to be consistent and you're saved by faith only, then confession would be something in addition to faith only. Yeah, so the people who believe, but they're really inconsistent about that because they say they believe in faith only, but if you ask them, do you have to confess Jesus, they'll usually say yes. So if you have to confess, it's more than faith only. And actually, I don't know, I I try to make this point, but I don't know if it registers very well. To confess, with to verbally confess Christ is is actually physical activity. It's a work of a sort because you actually have to expend calories to be able to form the words, yeah. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so if you acknowledge that you have to confess, you say you believe in faith only, but you acknowledge that you do have to confess, then you've just given up your argument completely. Yes. Um, and. And so there were some who would argue that you have to, and that would be they would be an error there, obviously or contradicting their faith only position. But even as Kent mentions, there's some Calvinists who would deny even that that's necessary. Well, and then back to some of the others that we already mentioned, who say you don't even have to believe in Jesus. If you don't have to believe in Jesus to be saved, you certainly wouldn't have to confess him. If you can be saved without believing in him, it goes without saying that you wouldn't have to confess him because you don't even believe in him. Why would you confess him? Uh, so uh, a lot of people are trying to get salvation worked out without hearing, without believing, without confessing, without doing anything, or through some other means. Uh, go uh, go through the uh, Muhammad rather than Christ, or uh, do some do some other religious practice. But if if it's necessary, if Jesus is in fact the only way to the Father, John fourteen verse six then you're going to have to confess that that is the case and that he is the only begotten Son of God. All right. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, Jim. Jim uh, in uh, Kentucky says, again, with regard to the Jehovah's Witnesses, they will not confess Jesus as the Christ from the standpoint of God in flesh. They see our Lord as a God and created being, and God, lowercase g, and created being. Now, here's an interesting one. He says when Catholics or any other group baptize babies, they disregard the need to both hear, believe, and confess. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, so if if you were practicing infant baptism, infant baptism, infants are obviously baptized baptized without being taught, without being able to believe. They can't comprehend. They can't believe, and they certainly can't confess. Yeah. And so those like the Catholics and other mainline denominations. That practice infant baptism because they, of course, we believe they're in error anyway because we don't. The Bible doesn't teach that infants have sin. This is a need forgiven. But even if they did, they couldn't do these necessary things 
You've got you, and so you you have said these things are not necessary because babies can't do them, but babies can be baptized I had, to be to have their sins forgiven. I hadn't thought about that angle yeah, on it, but yeah. thank you, Jim, for that. That's very yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Exactly. All right. All right. Now we got another one. We got what I've always regarded as the most difficult of the instructions uh, about salvation, and that is to repent. Now. When I sent out the email earlier today, I, I added repent of sins. And we're going to talk about that because we've got an objection to that expression. Uh, but clearly we have to repent. Luke thirteen three. except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, the question, uh, again, if, if so, some who want to dis, uh, disallow that... They actually are disallowing it when they teach faith only. If I'm really saved by faith only, I don't have to repent. Because repentance would be in addition to faith. faith if it's faith only, it, as we said, it, it doesn't involve confession and it can't involve repentance. Because those would be additions to faith. And, and you're claiming faith only. So, so you would be perverting that. And so you would, But again... What's really interesting is that when you talk to people who profess to believe in faith only, they I've I've never run into one yet that wouldn't say yes you have to confess and right. yes you have to repent right and so they 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 go back on their own position that's right it's not faith only it's not consistent yeah all right Kent in Georgia says Acts uh, two verse third oh sorry Calvinist in denying that humanity can do anything at all to be saved reject that repentance is essential for salvation they misapply Acts eleven eighteen and attempt to argue that God granted repentance only to those individuals uh, such as uh, he is let's see under those that God had unconditionally elected and predestined unto salvation first God does not repent. Uh, through individuals, such as a personal responsibility of sinners, Luke 13, verse 3. Second, God grants repentance in the sense that he gives individuals the opportunity to repent, as he did in Acts 10 and 11. Third, repentance is a universal requirement to all accountable individuals, Acts 17, 30, and 31. The consequence to Calvinism is that if individuals do not repent, such is the fault of God. Thank you for that, Jim. So, again, uh, Kent has focused his arguments on how Calvinism, which is a very prevalent doctrine in the religious world, actually comes up against every plainly taught step in the plan of salvation, which I think is interesting. Good job, Kent. And then Jim says, it's hard to believe that there would be anyone who would argue against the need to repent, but our modern society is seeking to renounce any doctrine which seeks to embarrass cause any one pain and the preaching of the need for one to admit their sins and repent of them is coming under fire some now teach that when one is baptized uh, and has their sins forgiven that the problem which caused the sin in the first place is also forgiven thus there are those who would say if you are in an adulterous marriage and you were, then you were baptized you can remain in that marriage you are forgiven in this regard, repentance is ignored, for repentance is both an admission of sin and a willingness to turn from it, not remain in it. Yeah. Jim makes an interesting point there. Those who are who are saying, well, you can just keep living the way you lived in in every aspect of your life uh, are denying the need for repentance. Well, the, the, but they're inconsistent about that, too. Absolutely. We talked about divorce and remarriage in a 
previous two weeks on the virtual Bible study, so we won't dive off into that again tonight. But the, we dealt with the, the argument that when I am baptized, then the 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 relationship that I'm in, maybe I've divorced and remarried, maybe done it more than once unscripturally, mm-hmm. but when I'm baptized, those sins are forgiven and I can stay in this marriage. And, and we pointed out that that would argue then that if I'm a thief and I've stolen a car yep. and I obey the gospel, I can keep the car. And nobody believes that. Uh, but for, if you take that view on divorce and remarriage that says that you can remain in the marriage that you're in, then you're saying that you don't have to repent. You're you're denying the necessity of repentance. And and uh, we disagree with that. And I think Jim is exactly on target. Dwight in Iowa tonight in the chat room says repenting is an act that shows our faith. Through repenting, we are stopping what we are doing wrong and start doing right, plain and simple. Thank you, Dwight, for that. All right. Now, we had, a, we had an email uh, that we want to deal with in regards to this uh, from Stephen uh, in Georgia. And he says uh, that... Uh, he says, I will readdress the fourth question, which you repeatedly state as repent of sins. Uh, Peter does not say in Acts 2.38, does not say that it is sin that they need to repent of. Starting in verse 14, Peter points out that they failed to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And in so doing, they yelled for him to be crucified. There is not one single mention of sin in the whole context of the sermon, starting at verse 14. Peter taking a stand with the eleven, but but there is a reminder, there is reminder after reminder that they failed in acknowledging Jesus as Christ. It was their unbelief that needed to be repented of. In keeping with the great commission, Mark sixteen verses fifteen and sixteen, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Not he that believeth and repents of sins and is baptized shall be saved. Well. It doesn't Mark, say that in Mark 16, but it does in Acts 2.38. It doesn't say anything about confession in Mark 16. Exactly right. It doesn't say anything about hearing in Mark 16. Yeah. So, uh, but actually... Well, I guess it does talk about uh, preaching, but go ahead. Uh, we've, we've dealt with this. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, or last week even, we dealt with 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that identifies the sins of these Corinthians before they were baptized. Stephen is just wrong. When we repent, we repent of the sins in our life. We don't repent just of unbelieving. Our unbelief has caused us to sin. Yeah. Uh, and and notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 beginning, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor tr- or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. They were, they had, if, if they are not guilty of sin, if the only sin of the unbeliever is unbelief, then how could they be identified by Paul as having been fornicators and adulterers and homosexuals and drunks and thieves? It clearly, those those law the law of God in regard to all of that the, the the law of God is applicable to all men and when they do not adhere to that law sin is violation of the law First John chapter three verse four 
uh, it, it says, whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. There you go. Uh, so, uh, Stephen, Stephen disagrees with us about almost everything, and uh, he disagrees with us that, but I, he just, he's just wrong. He's right. wrong. All right, let's take a break. If you have comments, uh, send them in the chat room. Uh, we'll get a break and we get back. We need to talk about folks who are denying the need to be baptized for mission sins. As I think Kent mentions in his response, there are perhaps the, is the most controversy around this uh, command of God. Stephen, uh, real quickly before we go to the break, Stephen in the chat room says, read the P.S. to his note. In the P.S., he said, the woman caught in adultery was first given. Neither do I condemn thee, after which Jesus tells her, go and sin no more. When one receives the free gift of no condemnation, it will lead to a change in the choices to want to be free from sin. Uh, we have put the cart in front of the horse in creating a requirement that we in the flesh can never attain to without first receiving God's grace, his son, and salvation. Salvation is only conditional upon hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, obeying the gospel by being baptized. Disagree with you wholeheartedly, Stephen. Jesus, Think about that. Logically, think about it. Jesus said to her, go and sin no more, which indicates she had been sinning. Right? And she had and, to repent of that. So, in other words, you're saying her only sin would have been to be an unbeliever the only thing she had to repent of is being an unbeliever no she had to re- she she should sin no more she had sinned in adultery he says don't do that sin anymore if she's not amenable to the law of christ and the, and and those sins don't don't register then that statement doesn't make any sense luke 13 3 isn't talking about not believing uh, there were some present in verse one of Luke thirteen at that season. Uh, some of them told of that, uh, that him, him that the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said to them, "Suppose ye that the Gal- these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish." He's not talking about unbelief here. Yeah. He's talking about sins, the things yeah. that they were engaged yeah. in, and they all needed to repent of of the wickedness that they were engaged in. All right, we're going to get a break, and when we get back, we're talking about baptism. People are arguing against it. What do the scriptures teach? Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Misconception number 34. The folks at the College View Church of Christ think you have to go to their church to go to heaven. Everyone else goes to hell. You may have heard this, but it's simply not true. We probably believe the same thing you do. We definitely believe the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will not enter heaven, but those who do the will of my Father will. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Approximately 1 in 100 American women and 2 in 100 American men identify as homosexual. Americans are becoming more accepting in their views of homosexuality. 63% of Americans said in 2016 that homosexuality should be accepted by society compared with 51% in 2006. That information is via the Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in Romans 1, beginning verse 26, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight as we talk about things that people deny when it comes to God's instructions about salvation. Real quickly, in the YouTube chat window, 
Anthony says he mentioned, he agrees with your comment, Jacob. In Luke thirteen, or excuse me, Luke seventeen, verses three and four, Jesus obviously speaking of sin against an individual, not just the sin of unbelief. Okay. All right, Luke. That's in Luke seventeen, three and four. He that's what, yeah, I, I read that wrong. Luke seventeen. That's what he said. Luke seventeen, three. Okay. And four. All right. Take heed to yourselves, and if thy brother trespasses against thee, rebuke him. If you repent, forgive him. Yeah. God not, forg- not, repents, or God forgives when we repent. Yeah. All right. All right. There you go. Thank you for that. Okay. So we got to go quick here. We got two, really, two steps left in the plan. So the first one is baptism. We've talked about baptism so many times in the virtual Bible study, but of course, it is the most controversial step of all in regards to the plan of salvation and yet the bible so plainly teaches it repent and be baptized for or unto the remission of sins acts 238 first uh, peter 321 baptism doth also now save us acts 2216 uh, now why tarest thou arise and be baptized wash away thy sins calling on the name of the lord uh, mark 1616 he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved he that believeth not shall be damned and just got keep... any more oh yeah there's lots more okay there you go so uh very let's read what our emailers said to us kent says acts 238 affirms that both repentance and baptism for their is for their mission of sins again the preposition ice stephen said that i'm saying that wrong uh he says it's east you see i don't I, I I've always heard it said ice. Oh, well. uh, it's E I S is translated for unto in order to comes into the discussion. Calvinist and even non-Calvinist denominations de- deny that E I S means in order to. They insist it means because of. However, such is false, and their view can be disproven by any acceptable Greek English lexicon. However, one is not even required to appeal to New Testament Greek. Matthew 26, 28 clearly states that Christ shed his blood for the remission of sins. If Acts 2.38 teaches that baptism is because of remission of sins, then such would mean that repentance is because of uh, remission of sins and that Christ shed his blood because of remission of sins. Yeah, uh, what... what uh, uh Kent's pointing out there is exactly parallel statement in Acts 2.38 and Matthew 26.28. Uh, and and so if if Acts two thirty eight says you're baptized because your sins are forgiven, then Matthew twenty six twenty eight would have to mean that Jesus shed His blood because sin, remission of sins had already been twenty six twenty eight of Matthew says he shed for the remission of sins. Acts two thirty eight talks about baptism is for the remission of sins. Same Greek word, same construction. If baptism is in two, Acts two thirty eight is because your sins have already been forgiven then it only stands to reason that Matthew twenty six twenty eight would have to mean that Jesus shed his blood because our sins were already forgiven. Exactly. Clearly is a fallacy. Uh, and then um, Kent goes on and says, a denial of baptism for the remission of sins also con- constitutes a denial of repentance for the remission of sins because both are joined by the coordinating conjunction and. In Acts 2.38. And so folks would not deny that you have to repent. Many folks would not deny you have to repent in order to be saved. But they do deny that baptism is required, and Kent says you can't have it both ways. Quickly, Jim says probably the largest area of contention that we would find would be with regard to the need to be baptized. Baptists teach and it is the saved who are baptized. In other words, already saved, then you're baptized. And may use the old, if a man is on his way to, the bapt- to be baptized and is killed, will God still save him argument in hope of dissuading anyone that baptism is necessary. Uh course you know we've dealt with that sort of objection in the past it doesn't, it doesn't change the plain teaching of scripture what about the guy who died on his way to, to be baptized well 
God will judge him. We'll leave that in the hands of God. But it doesn't change what the Bible plainly says about baptism for the remission hey, of sins. Hey, what if he was on his way to a Bible study and he was going to hear the gospel and believe? For the first time. He was and, first and, time and he was going to believe when he got to the Bible study, but that truck hit him. Yeah. Well, does that He's, mean you don't have to believe? Yeah. yeah I mean, so these hypotheticals don't prove anything. Exactly right. He says Catholics teach its babies who are baptized. Some groups sprinkle. Some groups pour. Few agree to a biblical standard of immersion. Yet the scriptures are clear to the purpose, function, blessing of baptism. To remit our sins, enter us into the body of Christ, kill the old man, and cause us to rise up and walk in newness of life as an imitation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, very good, Thank Jim. you for that, Jim. So, again, we, uh, we, we've talked about baptism so many times, but there are so many who want to deny the necessity of baptism. Saved without or saved before baptism is a perversion of the plan of salvation. All right. And we have a comment uh, from uh, Dwight here tonight. In Iowa, he says, if we deny baptism, we deny that we don't need to come into touch with the blood of Christ. It is only through baptism that we come in touch with the blood of Christ. Baptism is essential to having our sins forgiven, and it's because of our sins Christ died. So appreciate the, those comments from Dwight uh, tonight and uh, as he's listening in Iowa. Uh, lots of passages teach us that we're baptized into Christ. Romans 6, verse 3. Know you not that so many of us as we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death. Uh, and in link with that, Ephesians 1, verse 3, that says all spiritual blessings are in Christ. So you've got to be in Christ, have spiritual blessings, and you're baptized into Christ. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Galatians 3, verse 27. Lots of folks saying it's not necessary. The scriptures teach otherwise. Okay, and then uh, the last step in the plan of salvation is that after we have been baptized uh past sins forgiven come into a a a, a, a relation a, a saved relationship in the lord it's we got to remain faithful uh acts two or revelation 2 verse 10 be thou faithful to death and i'll give thee a crown of life but of course the biggest objection to that is the the idea of once saved always saved uh, that a person once saved, and we, we, we've already been arguing about what's necessary to be saved, but disregarding all other arguments, if you're a saved person, there are those who say once you are saved, you can't ever be lost. Once saved, always saved. Uh, uh, of course, uh, we think the scriptures plainly teach that that's not the case. Uh, a good place to look is in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Verse 4 uh, talks about falling from grace. You can fall from grace. You can So if you're in grace, you can fall from grace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's uh, the, the long, along the lines of the uh, points that Jim makes in his email. He says one need only to read Hebrews chapter 3, 7 through 19, and Hebrews 4, 1 through 6, along with Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, to recognize the truth and take heed. It is possible for believers to be lost. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 is very explicit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Those people are saved any way you slice it there. Verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 6, And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify it to themselves, the Son of God, afresh, and put him to an open shame. Uh, Jim says here, 
it is possible for believers to be lost, and we agree with that. Yeah, and the same, we don't have time to read it, but the, uh, an emphatic, exactly same truth is taught in Second Peter 3, verses 20 through 22, where it talks about saved people who become entangled again in sin and overcome. And the latter end is worse yeah. than the beginning. Yeah. If you were lost to begin with, how could you not be lost on the back end of that if your condition is worse than it was in the beginning? Yeah. Uh, Kent says, if one is not required to continue in faithfulness to Christ, why did Peter tell Simon to repent and pray for forgiveness in Acts 8.22? Why did John warn Christians about walking in darkness in 1 John 1, verse 6? And by inspiration, necessitate that Christians confess their sins, First John 1, 7 through 10. Why did Peter warn brethren about apostasy, Second Peter 2, 20 through 22? And why did Christ himself state that Christians must be faithful unto death, Revelation 2, verse 10? And why did Paul buffet his body so that he wouldn't be a castaway in Second Corinthians chapter, uh, let's see, no, that's the wrong First passage. Corinthians 9, Twenty-seven? Is that it? I don't know. Let, 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 let me look at that up real quick. That's First Corinthians nine twenty-seven. You got yeah, it right. Yeah. All right. He keep, keeps his body under, uh, keep under his body, and brings it into subjection, subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a captain. Stephen agrees with us on this point. He says faithful life studying, putting into practice, and maturing is often overlooked as part of keeping your salvation. This is not to say we are not forgiven when we sin, but neglecting Christ or turning away from Him has consequences. All right. Okay. Well, we probably ought to stop right there. If Stephen agrees with us, we ought to stop. All right, and we're out of time too. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for that comment tonight, Stephen. Um, good discussion, Kyle. Any comments from you before we conclude? No, it's a, it's a great study. I, if anybody's new who's listened to this, never heard the plan of salvation. I wish they need to research that further. Make sure they read their Bibles and obey obey the gospel. Uh, uh, real quickly, I got to get Anthony's comments in the YouTube chat window. Uh, he says, uh, "Oh, he uses Abraham as an example in Genesis of one whose faith saved him." But of course, he did work in leaving the Ur of Chaldees and doing what uh, God told him to do. Uh, and then he says, "You can be once saved." always saved you just have to continue in the faith to always be saved and ha ha for uh, colossians 123 okay okay thank you anthony thanks anthony uh kyle you mentioned that some folks may have uh, just heard these things for the first time we'd like to study with them in uh, in more detail of course yeah if you have questions of course email us call us and can come to the college of church of christ to study with us but yeah just yeah we'd oh. be happy to have a bible study with you over email kyle you would as well right of course yeah absolutely. we can get you in touch with kyle or we we either one of us can t- have a discussion with you over email in person on the phone whatever you'd like we'd like to talk with you about this in, in more detail right. kyle thanks for helping us tonight it was good yeah thank you for a good discussion thanks Jake. thanks to all our listeners as well for joining us on the program tonight we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of god's word we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study with study his inspired word of the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.